WrestlePlug 444 Life. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to hashtag get plugged in. The refreshing, empowering moment that we have all wanted from WWE. It's like ordering a, a medium pizza and then turning up with an extra large and a bottle of Coke. You absolute moldy cheese fucking baby bell dairy lead dunker shit. What happens is these fucking people live in this fantasy land. Everyone got their shit in. Everyone got each other over. Everyone looked good and made the industry look great. People need to fucking back the fuck off, Ronda Rousey. New to oh. wrestling talent. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, let me tell you a little story. A little story about a young man named Aaron Nix who had a dream that he would do a wrestling podcast. And he never dreamt that 464 episodes in, he'd have so little to say about wrestling this week. It is the State of Wrestling Address. And I'm on my own this week. Thanks, Kyle, you lazy bastard. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Kyle Wilkinson is not available this week, so I am riding solo because all of the massive amount, you'd think, right, after 10, 12 hosts, co-hosts that we've gone through, that one of them motherfuckers will be available to do a podcast. Alas, none of them are available. So you get the pleasure of me and me alone. Oh yeah, baby, the Doctor of Love will see you now. And that is a joke that only about five of you motherfuckers are going to get. So, State of Wrestling Address, it's time to talk about the week's wrestling topics. And as I'm riding solo, I get complete choice as to what I want to talk about. NXT UK debuted, or should I say re-debuted, this week. It is now taking place in BT Studios as opposed to, obviously, working its way around pre-taped arenas. So... Obviously, NXT UK returning is not a bad thing, in my opinion. I think that there are a lot of talents involved in this show that obviously deserve far more uh, eyeballs. They deserve a bit of viewership. Of course, there are a few people involved who don't deserve any viewership whatsoever. I'm not about cancel culture, so if you're expecting me to stand up here and scream to the heavens about the individual that opened the show, I'm not going to do that. I I will mention it, of course. Now... The individual who opened the show, which I will not name for legal reasons, although it's pretty obvious that you can do the math yourself, uh, the individual opening show is alleged and rumoured to be the individual suing Mariah May over the speaking out movement. And of course this has led to a mass pylon of cancel culture. I thoroughly understand why people are upset and have every right to be upset. The joy of social media is that we can all express how we feel. Uh, However, as is particularly atypical of super uber left, which is not what I am, of course. I don't really buy into right or left. I just buy into being a fucking human being. That's what I buy into. Um, But yeah, obviously the uber left mentality is, of course, that if you don't want to cancel everything, that you're a scum and you're a conservative and you must die. And that's not quite the case. Uh, So everyone's, of course course highly reactionary to it now being the very first thing you see on the first show of the re-debut is a little bit of a kick in the nuts but i don't know why we are surprised at this point that wwe is insensitive to our needs and also without the appropriate legal 
setting and without the appropriate legal disposition, you can't just boot people off or cancel them. I'm sorry, that's not how it fucking works. Am I happy that this individual opened the show and is in a fairly prominent position on our TVs and on the network? I don't think so, personally. I don't I don't think he's important enough to add value to it. So if I was in charge, I would err on the safe side. But that's not the point. I am not in charge. I do not run a multi-billion dollar corporation like WWE. I run this pokey podcast. <sighs> it is pokey, isn't it? It's a little bit pokey. But hey, we're still here and we have been here for three and a half years now. For me, do I like it? No. But am I going to fucking throw a hissy fit and spend hours upon hours on Twitter white knighting like a social justice warrior because it will make me feel better while actually not truly contributing anything towards what the speaking out movement was about. I'm not going to do that either because I'm not a fucking snowflake. I'm not a fucking hypocrite and I'm not going to sit here and try and pretend that I understand the pain that Mariah May is going through. I do understand a lot of things about domestic abuse, sexual violence and things like that unfortunately. So yeah, surprise, men are victims too. That's not to say that, obviously, the larger percentage of victims are women. And we should educate ourselves as men to the reasons as to why we live in a society where it is still so fucking prominent, and particularly in this business. (sighs) Unfortunately, nobody's talking about NXT UK, the show. We're all talking about what has gone on with the individual who opened the show. A couple of quick points I should point out as well. Uh, Pete Dunne is working in the backstage production of this show while he awaits travel, obviously, to the United States. There's a lot of problems getting individuals from England to the United States. I would know. I've been trying to book a holiday for some time now. Obviously, while that is the case, Pete Dunne will be working fairly exclusively as a kind of co-producer. And there are a lot of individuals, I noticed, screaming for a replacement of the individual involved in the alleged legal allegations a lot of people suggested that Jim Smallman who used to run Progress Wrestling of course alongside John and Glenn they were suggesting that he could be the on-screen personality it goes without saying that Progress has got a lot to do to get itself back on track and to fix all the in-house issues and I absolutely and flatly refuse to believe that a company that had these individuals for so long who ended up being huge problems on the independent scene in Britain. I refuse to believe that Jim Smallman is completely innocent, and the fact that people have forgotten that so quickly and are willing to, you know, call upon Jim Smallman, I don't think that's a resolution whatsoever either. I think, frankly, if you're out on social media asking for Jim Smallman, uh, I don't know personally if Smallman has anything to do with things, but I noticed he was very quiet over his social media. He certainly didn't use his platform much to support the speaking out movement. He would have been embedded in everything that was involved in progress. I personally think you're a little bit stupid and a little bit fucking naive if you think that an individual like him is going to benefit this. I think that we really need to take a step back and genuinely wait to see what happens going forward. To be honest, I don't really feel like I can add more to it. It's very dangerous to make comments and make such sweeping emotional statements about situations that we don't know the full story about. It's called being sensible. It's called acting in the real world. And let's be honest, a lot of wrestling fans don't seem to want to live in the real world, particularly when it comes to stuff like this. We all have opinions, but we're not entitled to our own facts. 
Moving on, AEW Dynamite this week, actually a very good show, and I'm going to look at a few of the matches, but one match that has stood out a little bit and has made the headlines is the match between Ivelisse and Thunder Rosa for the NWA Women's Championship. Turns out that this match went a little bit shoot style during the middle of the match. Now... <laughs> Obviously, they didn't go full MMA. There was a lot of stiff striking going on. Apparently, a lot of individuals in wrestling take umbrage with Thunder Rosa and her incredibly stiff striking. I really like it. I like the strong style element of her striking. Oh, frankly, she just looks real, and that's what I like about it. Um, I've seen some people, of course, the, the usual fucking basement brigade are up to their own tricks. <gasps> what? Oh, she, she's just stiff. She's a dangerous worker. Wrestling, wrestling's meant to be fake. Wrestling's meant to be make-believe. Shut the fuck up. This is wrestling. You know, the same people who have a fucking yeast infection whenever somebody mentions the fact that wrestling is fake are the same people who get up in arms when somebody accidentally gets their nose broken or if someone gets injured or if someone gets caught with a wayward punch or whatever. It's fucking wrestling. It's not meant to be ballet. Where the fuck does this mentality come from? I have no problem whatsoever with Thunder Rosa, you know, being a little bit strong style in the ring. Jesus Christ, we're all happy to watch NJPW and Japanese wrestling when those guys are kicking seven shades of shit out of each other and we barely bat an eyelid, but as soon as they do it in North America, all of a sudden everyone's butthurt and sensitive. Fuck off. Weak, weak, weak mentality. If you don't like this stuff, if it's too physical for you, don't watch. Which is a shame, because there aren't that many people watching, especially not compared to the good old days. Get off my lawn! I had no problem with it. Ivelisse is a big girl, she can handle her shit. If anything, I have more. I take more umbrage with the fact that Ivelisse was not selling a lot of the offense. Refusing to sell the full Nelson, just kind of being a bit obnoxious on the outside. Do you know what? If it bothers you that much, maybe throw some hands back. Maybe get involved if it's really pissing you off that much. But other than that, the match was actually fucking excellent, unsurprisingly, because there's one thing you can guarantee with AEW and the little accountant that is Tony Khan, um, it's that they won't give you that much women's wrestling. But when they do, and when they give it to you properly, unlike that fucking absolute abortion of a match that Britt Baker and Big Swole had at the last pay-per-view, it can be fucking fantastic in Thunder Rosa already leading the charge. And the fact that she really respects the heritage of the NWA and people like Mildred Burke, who, if you don't know, fucking look it up if you're supposed to be a wrestling expert, as you'll claim to be. The fact that she respects her industry, she respects her company that she's representing on a different platform, and she wants that belt to look strong and powerful and prominent, I have nothing but respect for that. I fucking love Thunder Rosa. Consummate professional, physical. She makes wrestling look real. We need more people like Thunder Rosa. We do. I'm sorry to say it. I know it sounds like an old school mentality, but we need tougher characters in wrestling. You know, she's got all the great face paint. She's got the colour. She's got the pizzazz. She's even got the promo skills. But she's also got the authenticity and the legitimacy of a hard-hitting athlete. And she's got that MMA background as well, which makes her even more credible. Why can't we have more people like this? People who genuinely take their craft so seriously. I think she's absolutely phenomenal. I love her. I don't really have a huge issue with this. This kind of stuff happens a lot. And of course, you know, you hear about Tony Khan and how he's very hands-on. Here's an unpopular thing to ask. Has anyone actually asked what Tony Khan's credibility in the wrestling business is, other than he's got 
got a humongous wallet from Daddy to play with. Because there's a lot of things in AEW that have been fantastic, and there's a lot of things that have been hot garbage. Now, I watched AEW Dynamite this week. There was some really good stuff. I really enjoyed this Dynamite. In fact, this was a return to the form of AEW that I enjoy. But there's still things that you nitpick at. That's how wrestling is. But I worry that Tony Khan is so hands-on. You know, and the fact that he's on his social media, lying through his teeth, you know, talking about, oh, Kenny Omega's on commentary this week, and he is just brutally honest, and he's straight fire. Let, let me nip that in the bud for you, sunshine. Kenny Omega was on commentary this week during Hangman Page's match with Frankie Kazarian, which, by the way, was an absolutely fantastic and stellar matchup. That being said, Kenny Omega sucked complete ass on commentary. He was a terrible talker. He didn't get the story across. The week before, he's in an interview telling us about how, do you know what? I don't want to make amends with Hangman Page. I'm done with this. I want to be a single star now. So what the fuck are you doing out in then? Oh, you know, and some people oh, well, he's obviously scouting the singles division. What? So why isn't he out there watching every fucking singles match then? Just this one. Stupid. Absolutely stupid. They've got something really special here with Hangman Page and too much Kenny Omega and I've got to be honest it it does break my heart a little bit to say it because I was a huge champion of his in NJPW but when it comes to North American TV when it comes to AEW when it comes to that general western society and the way that they present their wrestling Kenny Omega looks pretty fucking limp He's not a fantastic prone by any means. He doesn't look like... Like, he's got the body of a star. He doesn't act like a star. He doesn't look like a star. He just looks a little soft. He looks a little too entitled. And, you know, that's systematic of a lot of the current day wrestlers. And, you know, I know that some individual shock jocks and whatnot will say, you know, that's part of the Twitch generation. And, oh, what do you expect from people who play video games? A lot of these guys play video games and they're still fucking badasses. Samoa Joe likes playing video games. He still looks like a fucking badass. There's plenty of people who buck that trend. So I don't really buy into that nonsense. But at the same time, I see someone like Kenny Omega, who's obviously a humongous nerd. And there's nothing wrong with being a nerd. But you're not paid to be a nerd, mate. You're paid to be presented and to present yourself as one of the best wrestlers in the world. And, you know, he's great in the ring. He's an amazing athlete. I love the V-Trigger. It's probably my favourite wrestler move just because it's so stiff and it looks so real. But when it comes down to it, there's no presentation or psychology of a superstar here. It's just some douchey guy. And that bugs me beyond belief and that's why I don't buy into Kenny Omega and I certainly don't want to hear him on commentary and obviously Tony Khan's not going to come out and say well that didn't hit the mark or this sucks or whatever but when he's on his social media just begging to the 800,000 to a million viewers that he has and just completely sucking dick like he is on social media like, I get it I get what he's trying to do and I get that he kind of has to do that but at the same time it just comes across as really fucking disingenuous and I know it's a bit of a tangent but I just I had to bring it up because I did watch Dynamite this week and I did enjoy the majority of what I saw but at the same time seeing him he's out there you know he put out a tweet saying JR just called this the greatest street fight he's ever called okay first of all 
I don't need to hear that because I'm watching the broadcast and anyone who's following you on Twitter doesn't follow you for fucking commentary notes, mate. And, and second of all, that's just nonsense. So this street fight, the main event of AEW Dynamite, right? We're going to cover two street fights this week. One from WWE, one from AEW. Now we'll start with the AEW one. The wonderful tag team, Mob Boys, Santana and Ortiz, Proud and Powerful versus Best Friends. Now I like Best Friends. Trent and Chuck Taylor. I particularly love Trent. I think he is... I honestly think Trent should be a single star. I think he needs to get away from Chuck Taylor. I know they've been best friends for a long time. And, you know, that pops people to a certain extent. But... It, I feel like there's a lot more potential, and if I'm being frank and honest, I feel like Chuck Taylor holds Trent back. I do. I think Trent is a ridiculously good-looking man. He's fucking handsome as hell. You know, he's got a great body. He's got a great body of work. He's a great athlete, and he's half-decent on the mic as well. He's actually a lot better than people realise. You wouldn't know this, because for some reason, Chuck Taylor does the majority of the talking. And I don't hate Chuck Taylor. But he's not even close to a star, is he? He's just some guy. And do you know what the problem of AEW is overall? There are too many guys that are, you know, the big fish of an indie promotion. But this isn't an indie promotion. This is a huge entertainment slash sports wrestling spectacle that's on TV. You have a million viewers, give or take. Not 500 people in a boiling hot-ass gym hall in Reseda. So... Yeah, some of you, surprise, don't translate into big TV stars. Chuck Taylor being one of them. There are loads of other guys I could name. Just guys floating around who are fantastic athletes, great wrestlers, but they are not stars and they're not TV wrestlers either. And that shows. And I know people are like, oh, well, it's not all about sports entertainment. No, it's not. But you're on TV, which means that you have to cater to more than just the hardcore fat smarks who go to every indie show, you know, from Texas to fucking New York. You have to cater to a proper audience. And whether you like WWE or not, they do do a good job of giving you a little something of everything. Now, a lot of times, it can really suck ass. I'm not going to sit here and act like an apologist and tell you WWE is better than AEW or vice versa. I think both shows cater to a certain type of wrestling fan. But the problem is... You know, WWE is trying to cater to as many people as possible. AEW is trying to cater to one kind of person possible. And that's the hardcore indie smart. And I don't think that is good for business. I really don't. I think long term, it's going to hurt them. And that's a shame because they do have some phenomenal wrestlers and some phenomenal big money stars. Guys like Jericho. Guys, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Moxley's run as champion, but there's no denying he's a big star. You know, he's a big name. You put him on a marquee, people will pay attention to him. And there are guys like Brian Cage and Lance Archer, even Darby Allen, uh, MJF especially. These are guys who are just, you know, they could be right there as big stars. And I feel like MJF has had a good crack of it. The other guys, not so much, at least not yet. Or they're thrown in the deep end too early and they don't get an opportunity to flex themselves and grow the right way. So, you know, but the street fight. This was a great match. But my point about Chuck Taylor, he, he looked out of place, in my opinion. The match itself was fucking awesome. It was violent. It was physical. It was it was full of some really nasty spots. Uh, if I'm rating this based solely on a match, fucking phenomenal. Really cool. Four stars plus. Thought it was absolutely brilliant. Great spectacle. However, two big problems. First of all, I don't mind if best friends win. If the build-up to it has been them, Proud and Powerful have come into this quite strong. If this was kind of like the upset win or whatever. But Proud and Powerful come into this with no real marquee victories of note. 
But they've kind of been Jericho's lackeys. That was fun for a little bit. They haven't done anything on the tag team scene. They've barely got close to the tag team titles. I think they might have had like one kind of throwaway-ish, uh, you know, tag team title match. It just, it just feels really soft. It just feels like they don't know what to do with these guys. Coming out of Impact, they were huge. You know, they were mega stars. They attacked the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers at the end of that incredible ladder match for the AAA Tag Team Championships. And now here they are, just two guys wandering around who are so good at what they do. This is their MO. You've built and built and built the fact these are street toughs. These guys are from the streets. These guys are roughhouse. These guys will fuck you up. Santana and Ortiz. And then they lose to a world-class wrestler and his, frankly, a little bit retarded-looking brother or best friend and a guy in jeans who jumped out of a boot. And that's the other thing as well. Now, I like Orange Cassidy, okay? I don't hate Orange Cassidy. A lot of people are messaging me, blowing up my social media, saying, you fucking hate Orange Cassidy. I don't think he's a star. And I certainly don't think that this really helps out Proud and Powerful that much. It, it feels like we had a world-class match and we had, you know, world-class moments and spots and everything just so we could have this moment where Trent's mum, which was funny, don't get me wrong, you know, giving the middle finger to Santana and Ortiz. But what you're saying is, to your TV audience, is here's these two crazy motherfucking gangsters who turned up even with the face paint looking all Joker-esque, really going for it, you know? Really bringing that fire, bringing that mentality, that psychology. They felt like two guys who could fuck shit up. Here comes Trent in his jeans. Here comes Fuck Taylor looking shabby. Because he does. He looks shabby, by the way. You know, he's got a dumb haircut. He just looks dumb. I'm sorry. I, I, don't, I hate to shit on wrestlers like this. But Chuck Taylor looks fucking awful. He looks fucking terrible. He really does. He looks like trash, man. He just looks cheap. He really does. He's there's something real bargain basement about him. It irked me. It did. It irked me a little bit that they lost. Proud and powerful. And maybe I'm just a little bit biased because they're one of my favourite tag teams. But I just feel like they could have done so much more with them. And they haven't. And once again, they have to take a step back because Tony Khan has got some sort of obsession with Orange Cassidy's limp dick. I don't get that either. Like, do you know what? Um, next week, Orange Cassidy faces Brody Lee for the TNT Championship. Brody Lee destroyed Cody Rhodes, right? In a matter of minutes. If he doesn't do the same to Orange Cassidy, it will look fucking stupid. And the inconsistencies in your storytelling will look dumb as well. And not only that, it will completely derail what has been a, a pretty decent job in trying to push the Dark Order. They seem obsessed with trying to get everything over at some point. But actually, what they're doing is failing to make stars by doing that. Proud and Powerful should be megastars. They should be up there with FTR right now. Instead, you know, and, and the other thing as well, we've got the Young Bucks running around. You know, just fucking being douchey. And it's so funny how people buy into it. I see people on social media. I use social media as a gauge to see what people think. You know, I ask people on our Facebook, on our Twitter. You can send in your suggestions, your opinions. If you disagree with anything I say, we have a social media platform, at WrestlePlug. You can fucking contact us and tell us otherwise. I see people saying, oh, I love this. He all turned into young bucks. But they're just the same as they were. They're just a little less smiley. And a lot more fucking douchey. I don't see that much of a difference in it, other than, oh, look at us, we're cool, we super kicked. Alex Marvez, who is a potato-looking motherfucker with glasses, and then they super kicked a ref. Ooh, edgy. It's not fucking, you know, 
Fuck me. Austin came out of a beer truck and doused the WWF champion and the owners of the company. <laughs> These guys, we super kicked to ref. I don't care. And also, the super kick, you just, you just look like a couple of whiny teenagers cosplaying as wrestlers. That's what you look like. Sorry, but I'm not buying it. I don't give a shit about the young bucks. When they're on my TV, my attention span tunes out real quickly because I'm 35 years old. If I was five years old, probably liking with the tassels and the color and everything like that, I'm sure I would have marked out like crazy for them when I was a kid. But I just, I have no interest in them anymore. I just don't. It's just, it's, it's weak sauce, as far as I'm concerned. That being said, the street fight was a fantastic match. I didn't like the booking, but the match itself, you cannot deny, was fucking phenomenal. On the flip side of things, uh, I've just finished watching SmackDown, actually. I waited to watch that before I recorded this podcast. And their main event was a Samoan street fight. Roman Reigns and Jey Uso versus Baron Corbin and Sheamus. A repeat of last week's tag team match, only this time with some more stuff. And this match sucked. <laughs> Simple as. It was boring. It was irrelevant. And already, it's a tale of two halves with Roman Reigns. Is he with Paul Heyman and exciting me from that perspective? Absolutely. Am I excited about him versus Jey Uso? Bearing in mind, I am the biggest mark for the Usos, who I think legitimately, on their, on, when they're on the top of their game, are the best tag team in the world. I, I, I believe that. I really do. I am excited for that as well. But I'm not feeling the booking. Match wasn't great. Roman Reigns is not saying as much, but I'm not buying into this yet. Now, I will be patient. I'm not going to shoot the messenger already. I'm not going to shoot down all the booking and things. But so far, I'm left a little bit lackluster. You know, the the kind of gimmick. Now, I love Paul Heyman's commentary. I love the way he's talking about, you know, this is the tribal chief, the Samoans, the Anawaii family, because they are part of wrestling history and heritage. You know, Islanders in general, especially that family, have lent so much to the heritage and history of wrestling. Without them, it would look so different. You know, racist connotations aside, they really have provided some magical, magical moments in wrestling. And a lot of them have held different titles at one point or another. And I'm excited about the heritage of this match. I have no doubt that Jey Uso, wrestling with his cousin, no less, you know, they're going to have a great match. Obviously, it's going to be a fantastic match. Hopefully, they're just going to pull the trigger and let them go full. You know, just let them go. Let them go. Take the shackles off and let these boys do what they do best and throw it all out there. Hopefully, there's going to be some tradition. I would love to see some, you know, Samoan heritage, the hacker, the dancing, the Maori kind of aspect of things, the Islander aspect, the Polynesian things, you know, whatever it takes. Get that across because I think that's important and it's good that we have culture and heritage in wrestling. I think people find that relatable. If I was an Islander, if I was somebody of that kind of heritage and i'm not but i still find it fascinating but i definitely would if i was part of that heritage or that culture something about this isn't hitting right <laughs> and if we're you know a lot of people suggesting this street fight was kind of like their response to AEW having a street fight yeah we'll show them how it's done i don't think that's the case to be honest i wouldn't be surprised if they probably recorded this at similar times you never know, you know, and even if they did do it live, there was no comparison. I may not have liked the booking from the AEW Street Fight, but it absolutely blew this one out of the water. And, you know, I, I thought SmackDown was a bit weak. The one thing that I'm super excited about that I really want to fucking talk about is Alexa Bliss and Bray Wyatt as a combination. I think the the slow build to this, the fact that whenever someone says The Fiend, she kind of gets triggered like a sleeper agent. You know, like a Russian sleeper cell agent. Like, all of a sudden she's like, huh, goes into a trance, hits Sister Abigail and leaves. I think it's fucking brilliant. 
I think it's absolutely phenomenal. I love it. I think it's dark, it's brooding, and also it's two of the most attractive prospects in WWE. One, ridiculously attractive in every sense, in Alexa Bliss, who's kind of gone with the Harley Quinn role as well. And then, of course, on the flip side of things, you've got The Fiend, this controlling aspect. I'm really curious to see where this goes, and hopefully it's going to lead to this kind of... Obviously, anyone who knows me, at Aaronix Design, on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram, will have seen my painting of Bray Wyatt and Alexa Bliss and if you haven't check it out and give it a retweet if you can give it a share it would be nice but I kind of gave it the whole Harley Quinn treatment I love it I absolutely love it and the more I see it the more I want it this Joker Harley Quinn mentality you know this kind of weird controlling aspect of having power over somebody you shouldn't have and her having some sort of kind of allegiance to him that hasn't fully been shown yet it's exciting and it's sitting in the background and I think it's for me it's pretty much the highlight of Smackdown along with Sasha Banks and Bailey. Uh, just very quickly I wanted to mention how great Sasha Banks was on the mic this week. She did a promo from the Performance Centre uh, talking about you know Bailey and obviously what had happened when she was attacked a couple of weeks ago and that moment in itself was fantastic. One of the really great moments, the most shocking moments of the year reminded me very much of when Tegan Knox was battered and abused by Dakota Kai who turned heel at TakeOver it, it really had that vibe about it of like holy shit what are you doing like just really wild we all kind of knew the turn was coming with these guys that's probably the one difference between that and Knox versus Kai but just the sheer ferocity of it Bailey has really turned the corner when it comes to being a world class heel and here she is again assaulting Sasha Banks and threatening to try and snap her neck with a steel chair again brilliant stuff absolutely brilliant they're obviously building to something that's going to be a slow burn the suggestions the rumors are Sasha Banks will get her revenge at Wrestlemania it's going to be a slow burn in that way she'll probably win the women's Royal Rumble I'm all for this I'm all for all of it for what I'm hearing it looks great it sounds fantastic what it might be doing as well five stars man I love this rivalry I feel like these women have really carried a big proportion along with Asuka you know and also I'm really enjoying um Shay Nia Payne as the boys at hardest part of the ring have uh, named uh, Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax I'm enjoying that as well I feel like the women have really stepped up and helped bring this product up a lot and I think a lot of why I'm enjoying WWE as a whole is because of the women actually so even though Smackdown didn't really hit with me this week and was a bit tedious and a bit boring in places one thing I was excited about was what the women were doing so it was pretty fantastic a few little side notes a few little bit of uh, news topics that well I'll try and quick fire shoot through them so I'll tell you what we'll do we'll put a little fucking counter up because we're we're going to quick fire work our way through some odds and ends from the wrestling world starting right now round one fight so even page versus sean claude van damme in his dream wrestling match apparently the fans are pushing for it on social media the idea of ethan page as this alter ego of the karate man versus jean claude van damme book it let's be honest it's impact wrestling and with all due respect it's not like they're pulling down massive amounts of viewers so in my opinion i can't see anything that could really go wrong here and also get jean claude van damme on his tv and hey if you haven't seen Bloodsport, frankly, I don't know what you're doing with your life. One of the greatest martial arts films of all time. Round two, fight! Renee Young obviously left WWE following SummerSlam in August. Uh, she spoke about uh, Vince McMahon briefly and also the commentary thing. And I thought this was something that I really wanted to quickly touch upon. She said, 
A common refrain uh, from all commentators is that Vince McMahon is constantly in your ear for over the headset. Uh, Renee talked about this and her relationship with McMahon. She said, uh, we're talked to throughout the show all the time, whether it's from a production standpoint or if Vince has ideas. It's hard to take that direction sometimes. And I never really felt like I had that much of a relationship with Vince. She uh, also pointed out the fact that the first time I met him, and he would not even remember this, it was very meeting in the hallway, and I shook his hand and whatever. We were in Hershey, Pennsylvania. I was brought into TV, and I got to the building early, as one does when you're new. I was used to our world of acting auditioning, where you show up fresh-faced, then change and get ready for the show. Then I realised that's not really the deal in WWE, and you should show up looking nice with a full face of makeup on. Uh, little me is walking around backstage with a clean face, squeaky clean, and he comes walking down the hallway, and I'm like, hi! And I don't remember who it was with him, but they said Vince should not see you without makeup on. You should be fully done. He did not react in any poor way or anything, but I remember being like, oh, I didn't know that. Um, very strange that uh, <laughs> Renee Young was kind of fobbed off like that. It was almost as if to say, oh, Vince McMahon doesn't need to see anyone unless they're in full makeup. It's almost like Vince McMahon, well, <laughs> surprise, Vince McMahon uh, believes he's in some sort of fantasy world where everyone should be in gimmick all the time. And you hear a lot about this, how he wants everybody on site to be wearing their ring gear ready to go, you know, whether they're going to be used or not. Finish him! It's a very strange human being. Speaking of Vince McMahon, Kurt Angle spoke to WrestlingInc.com on their podcast, and he disclosed that Vince McMahon believes he's going to live to 105. Fatality. And that he's one of the hardest working men of all time. So if we're getting another 30 years of Vince McMahon, buckle up, ladies and gentlemen, because I don't think it's quite going to go the way we want it to. I've said this, and a lot of my friends have said this, when Vince McMahon passes away, we're going to find out and hear a lot of things that we probably shouldn't have heard of. Get ready, because that's going to be a roller coaster of a ride. Not all of it's going to be fantastic. It could end up being quite the horror show, or at least a better horror show than Extreme Rule. Ah, uh, Jackson Riker has upset people once again. Get over here! WWE superstar Jackson Riker continues to dig a hole for himself with his latest tweet on Twitter. Uh, he was pulled off TV a couple of months ago. He tweeted... <laughs> Haha, <laughs> this made my day. Lay down your freedom, brother. Raise those masks that do not good. Uh, no idea what the fuck he's talking about there. Um, that was That's what he tweeted recently. Obviously, he was initially in trouble for tweeting his support of Donald Trump. Which, to be honest, he shouldn't be in trouble for. He's just an idiot. But he shouldn't be in trouble for supporting Donald Trump. Because ultimately, he's just expressing his opinion. If you want to say that, that you disagree with him voting for Trump and you, you, know, you vote for somebody else, that's fine. But going out there actively and saying, you're shit, you're not allowed to have an opinion unless it's the one I like. Kind of a bit of a right-wing mentality, if I do say so myself. So, just putting that out there, leftists. Jackson Riker thinks that masks do not do any good. I mean, science would prove it. Do you want me to put my tinfoil hat on? Do I think that certain parts of this are overblown in terms of the actual pandemic? Yes. Do I believe that people should be wearing a mask when they go out? I don't see what the harm is in it, to be honest. And it seems to work very well for prominent Asian countries, countries like uh, Japan in particular. If you go to wrestling in Japan, you know, it's common sight, well before any pandemic, people wear masks anyway, just because it's kind of like a, it's, you know, it's a polite thing to do, you want to cough in someone's face and all that kind of stuff. We're just a bit grubby, aren't we, in the West? <laughs> so, you know what, at the end of the day, if it's going to possibly help to stem the infection rate, 
just put a fucking mask on and stop crying about it it's not like you've got to wear it all day for a lot of you you put it on when you go in the shops you know and then even when you're in a workplace you can take it off while you're working and stuff like that. a lot of the office workers i've seen providing you've got social distance so just you know just suck it up man just suck it up and put on a mask and that's for jackson Riker. who really gives a fuck anyway kind of feel sorry for the other two guys because hey forgotten sons wah, wah. daniel cormier from ufc looks like he could be on his way to wwe this is obviously rumoured uh, at the moment and um, booker t is apparently not too keen on the premise or at least he's not too keen on the way cormier is trying to book himself he said these guys are wanting to come in and already they want to book their own matches they want to book their own angles that's the difference between wrestling and mma come on how are you going to book your own angle with Brock Lesnar, he laughs? I'm not hating on Daniel Cormier or anything, but this is exactly the kind of guy I'm talking about. Looking and running to go find a check. Looking to try to relive his glory days. Look at what happened to Cain Velasquez. In and out. Here today, gone tomorrow like a flash in the pan. Let's bring Cormier in and let's see if he can work. Let's do that first. He's already on social media booking his own angle with Roman Reigns opposed to just staying in his lane. And if something like that happens, it happens. That's what I'm talking about. You have to know how to make it in the locker room before you ever have a chance of making it in the ring and I, I get it i absolutely get it i don't think cormier is a huge name by comparison to say a ronda rousey or a brock lesnar even a ken shamrock for when he came in you know he's a pretty big deal when he came in i don't think cormier carries a lot of that he's obviously a hardcore wwe fan he's a super mark as well i've heard him before uh, on his social media saying that fans need to shut the fuck up and all this and they don't know any you don't know fuck all either, mate. You're an MMA fighter. You know, do, are you a more physically attuned individual than me? Of course you are. But you don't know fuck all about wrestling. You're the same as everybody else. You're a Mark too. So shut the fuck up and be a Mark too, mate. You know, do the training properly. Go in and see how you can do. Thinking you're just going to waltz in. You know, it didn't work with Cain Velasquez. It might got a slight spike for a pay-per-view or something. But ultimately, someone like Tyson Fury, for instance, he probably garnered a lot more interest than you will. MMA is big but it's still niche in comparison to a lot of major sports. <laughs> it just is, and I'm not that bothered if Cormier comes in or not. If he does come in, great, whatever. Hopefully he might do something or make a decent impact. If he doesn't come in, there's no skin off my back. I'm not sitting here clamouring for him. The only person from MMA, let's be honest, we all want to see is Conor McGregor. You'll do fucking nothing. Because he can cut an absolutely stellar promo because he's just a massive cunt. Let's be honest, he's a fucking appalling human being. And, well, he's perfect for wrestling. Yeah, that pretty much wraps it up for the news, to be honest. Not much else to say as far as wrestling goes. Billy Robinson, it would have been his birthday today, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't know who Billy Robinson is, check out our social media. I've posted a little video of him. Uh, Billy Robinson trained rather famously in um, Billy Riley, um, his snake pit, which is a very fit in Wigan. Very famous catch wrestling um I'd want to say studio, it's not. It's a shed, basically. It's cool, though. You know, it's real, it's gritty. A uh, very famous place. So many people will know of the Snake Pit, particularly if they're British wrestling historians. But I thought it was worth mentioning the fact that Billy Robinson had an incredible life. You know, he went over to America and was highly successful working for Vern Gagne's AWA. And he also was an individual that uh, came to prominence in Japan as well. He spent a lot of time working for All Japan Pro. A lot of people associate Japanese wrestling with NJPW. And although NJPW is absolutely ruling the roast, um, if there's one company that a lot of people sleep on and don't talk about enough, it's All Japan Pro Wrestling. And at one point, All Japan was the place 
to be. It was a real pure thoroughbred wrestling organisation. Individuals even now, some of the real pure thoroughbred wrestlers, like Joel Redman for instance, you know, one half of the first ever NXT Tag Team Champions. Joel Redman made his uh, appearance in AJPW you know, a couple of years ago or so, and has never looked back. He's been there for quite a while, actually, probably more so than that. And it's just a very, very credible place when it comes to wrestling. And when Billy Robinson was working over there, you know, he ended up in big-time matches with guys like Antonio Inoki. He really was an important part of the legacy and the heritage of what is British wrestling, proper wrestling. If you know anything about European-style wrestling, and particularly Britain, you know that catch wrestling is for the real tough motherfuckers. You know, the real hard men of wrestling. Billy Robinson pretty much did it all. But because he wasn't in mainstream WWF, people don't really think about him that much. But honestly, if you're looking for something to do, if you're struggling during this pandemic and you want a little bit of a, a, little bit of a class, a little bit of a masterclass in what it is to know about British wrestling and catch wrestling from the sort of earlier days you know the 60s and 70s you cannot go wrong by checking out billy robinson so yeah posthumous happy birthday to billy robinson i'd be still resting in power as he should don't forget ladies and gentlemen if you're on the if you're on the other side of the pond so to speak if you're in north america canada hell if you're anywhere in the world but particularly on that side of the pond pro wrestling slash wrestle plug it's a very difficult time financially for everybody ourselves included i'm i'm not any stranger when it comes to financial difficulties unfortunately things are very difficult currently looking for a job like a lot of people are um, just working off of commissions alone really at this point at Aeronix Design if you want a, a very affordable piece of graphic design or art paintings drawings whatever it may be check out my work you might like it enough that you would like me to draw your favorite wrestler or paint your favorite celebrity or even paint or draw you as a celebrity or yourselves whatever you want i can do it and i can do it at a very affordable rate and you'd be really helping me out and helping me put some food on the table and like i say prowrestlingtees.com slash wrestle plug even if you've got friends who aren't particularly wrestling fans they might like the look of one of the t-shirts so please do not hesitate to tag people share the links let them know if got wives you've got kids who maybe want a t-shirt they're very affordable 20 bucks flat uh, i don't think the pmp is that much either postage and packaging the shipping as you uh, yeah as you americans will say uh, shipping and handling bro sorry terrible accent i know ultimately you'd be helping out everybody involved wrestle plug and especially myself in such a difficult time i'm not going to beg but pro slash WrestlePlug and of course at Aaron Nix Design across all social media Facebook, Twitter and Instagram if you want to follow me at least or share my art, whatever you can do to help out it's all greatly appreciated, hopefully you've enjoyed the State of Wrestling Address, my apologies that I am writing solo send in whatever you got, thoughts, opinions maybe you've got some memories of old time wrestling that you'd just like to share, I don't care what it is, we will answer it, try and be respectful obviously but hey, we don't mind if you want to throw a few swears in and whatnot because we don't go fucking give a shit either but ultimately, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've enjoyed this rather unique State of Wrestling address. We'll catch you very soon for more content from the WrestlePlug. This content was brought to you by the WrestlePlug Podcast.